this special Halloween bonus episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, author and comic book writer Troy Brownfield joins us to discuss the 1986 Disney TV movie, Mr. Boogity, starring Christy Swanson and John Astin. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. Tonight on the Disney Sunday movie, the Davises are moving into a new house. Definite fixer-upper. Where the tenants are deceased, <laughs> but not departed. This house is not haunted. Keep an eye out for the boogity man. What boogity man? Boogity boogity. Now it's every man, woman, and child for himself. I saw him! What a weirdo. Dad's gonna negotiate with Mr. Hamburg's face. It's spirited family fun, oh. Mr. Boogity. I'd move. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is our Halloween bonus episode, but if you think about it, could be Thanksgiving, too. This is Brandon, and as always with me, is your co-hostery, hostery, hoster, Cullen. Boogity, 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 boo, a Medea Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) That's the level. (laughs) Today we're here to discuss Mr. Boogity. (laughs) <laughs> Today we are here to discuss Mr. Boogity, a 1986 Disney Sunday night movie. Cullen, tell us how Mr. Boogity boogies. A gag gift salesman and his family move into a new house in New England, which they soon find to be haunted by ghosts from the colonial period. Mr. Boogity is directed by Oz Scott, written by Michael Janover, and stars Christy Swanson, Richard Mazur, Mimi Kennedy, David Faustino, Benji Gregory, and John Astin. Welcome to our special Halloween episode of Colts and Cavalcade. Last year, you'll remember, we did the WNUF Halloween special that was made to be like a local TV special from the 1980s, so this year we bring you an actual TV special from the 1980s, and also are coming back... The return of the living guest, our good friend, author, comic book writer, and creator of Spark Shooter, Troy Brownfield. Returning champion. Returning Thanks, guys. Champion. Thanks for returning fourth placer. That's uh, yes. Three guys in four places. That's what that was. <laughs> so uh, welcome back, Troy. Uh, thanks, guys. It is great to be here on this award-winning podcast. Yes, it's uh, been one year now. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. I said to Brandon, like, we have inadvertently made you, like, our TV movie guy. Not intentional <laughs> at all, but it's just kind of how it's falling into place. So I am a bit lower budget. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready to do some low quality, but a lot of heart. Yeah, that's right. So, Troy, what have you been, what have you been up to lately? Probably the biggest thing that I've worked on comic-wise in a while is a bunch of other creators and I got together and formed Eminent Press, and we successfully kick-started the first two issues of our anthology series, Terminal. Here in about a few weeks, we'll be kick-starting the third and fourth issues of that. Some of the 
names that we have associated with it in terms of writers and so forth are like uh, Eisner Award winner Justin Gray, who co-wrote Jonah Hex with Jimmy Palmiotti, Eric Palicki, who's written Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel, and whose sister is Adrian Palicki of oh. uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and more. Yeah. And <laughs> Justin Penniston, who does the Hunter Black Web comic, who's also written episodes of Avengers Assemble and whatnot. All of these guys and some you know, really talented artists coming together and making this uh, kind of pulp anthology series. Each issue has two stories by a different artist and writer team. As we go along, we're going to be adding other web comics and original series to the to the imprint as it moves. So we're moving along. And uh, Spark Shooter continues every Wednesday. Since you mentioned Spark Shooter, yes. we're kind enough to do that. Yeah, for me, me and an artist in Karu. Very cool, very cool. So we bring you on for... Mr. Boogity, did everybody watch this when it aired? Troy, you mentioned to me off air that you that you saw it when it aired. Did, did you watch it when it aired, Cullen? Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely watched it when it aired. It, it, this is one of those things that no one talks about, but I have memories of it. Like, like this happened, right? Like, uh, I'm not the only person <laughs> that experienced this thing. You look online, and there is some stuff, but there's not a whole lot. So you can at least verify that it, it aired and existed, but... I don't think I've ever talked to anyone about it like since it was originally on, like ever. I I I watched it. I was four years old, but it was this movie that I had this memory of, and I remember I was like, "Oh, it was really scary" or something like that. Remember, mm-hmm. I said I was four years old, and then it it was one of those things where you remember like last last episode with Ben talking about those TV scenes from Halloween and being like, "I swear I saw those." This was mm-hmm. kind of a movie I swear existed. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, you know, I had foggy memories of it because I was four years old. And I thought, in my head, I thought it was called The Boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And so uh. then I found and got a hold of uh, The Boogeyman, and that was definitely not it. <laughs> See, I'm slightly older than you effing people. So I have a <laughs> little bit more of a clear memory of having seen it. But it was the same boat of not too many other people that I knew saw it at the time. Now, I talked to people later. And run across it. And just like a couple of those other Disney Sunday movies I mentioned when we talked before, like um, I-Man, which was with Scott Bakula, which was kind of a superhero pilot where he was basically turned indestructible by an accident and became a secret agent and stuff. And then the Earth Star Voyager, which was a really good science fiction thing, which actually prefigured the Borg a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, if you yeah. look at the design of kind of the enemies from that, they're very Borg-like and they preceded the debut of the Borg so that's kind of interesting but nobody ever talks about that because these movies are not on DVD Disney's for all of Disney's exploitation of their back catalog they've a lot of the stuff's just sad I remember I used to watch the Disney Sunday night movies uh, like Wide World of Disney or whatever and you you yeah. there was Michael I everybody knew who Michael Eisner was he was always at his desk and he'd give us an intro he's a charming fellow when he was sitting there and yeah. and you'd watch a movie and sometimes they'd be originals sometimes they'd be theatrical releases like I mentioned before like Swiss Family Robinson seemed to be like their mm-hmm. go-to rerun they'd always show I remember him introducing who framed Roger Rabbit a lot cuz Roger Rabbit was there but it was guy in a suit screwing around with Michael Eisner. I remember that. And and of course I I do remember the opening to Mr. Boogity. I remember it you know, Eisner was kinda new at that point. He was like the new young guy in charge yeah. of Disney. And they the, the, there had been the guy that was gonna save Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And I've read stuff they talked about at the time doing rotating introductions. Like they were gonna have Tom Hanks because he'd done Splash and they were gonna ask these various people to do the intros. And 
those didn't work out for one reason or another. And they just decided like, let's have Eisner do it because he's like the face of the company, you know, and Walt used to intro yeah. the old ones. So yeah. we'll have Eisner do it. And it worked out really well, I think, because at that period in time, not a lot of people could name who ran a studio, but people could name Eisner. Oh yeah. And, and in 86, Disney was kind of, that was the fallow period. You know, that was post black cauldron, pre little mermaid. So it was, yeah, this yeah. was, this was during the, the, before the resurgence of their animation studio with yeah. little mermaid. That was like 89. This was during those grim times with black cauldron and, you know, great mouse detective. Just, I'm not saying Disney was dark or anything. It just wasn't, there was a lot of crap. There was a lot of just not what you'd expect of Disney. There, it was almost like they yeah. were trying to mature, yeah. but not doing it too well. Those were the fox and the hound years. Right, yeah. Not, not well remembered. Right. Yeah, and they were losing creatives. Because I think, wasn't it Tim Burton who said he didn't want to spend six years working on the fox and the hound? Right, and, he got, and, yeah. they, and they fired Tim Burton for Frankenweenie only to, 20, 30 years later, hire him to make a Frankenweenie animated yeah. feature. Yeah. Because he was yeah, just th- too off. There was a lot of seniority issues at that time with Disney. It was like, no, you have to do this for so long, and then you got to do this for so long, and then you got to do this. Like, if you had original ideas, no one would listen to you until you had been with the company for just a ridiculous amount of time. It was that old and... school seniority, earn your stripes mentality that was back from like the 60s. Yeah. The Sunday night movies, I partook in them. I remember them fondly. Eisner, Mr. Boogity, I do, like, I remember member and i don't like i watched this for this and i was like okay well i remember what he looked like but did not remember christy swanson was in this movie it's ridiculous the amount of people that are either names or at least you recognize in this this thing i mean it's not like some superstar cast but it's kind of stacked everybody did stuff except for mr boogity and he's just known for mr boogity john astin he was the big celeb cameo in here because adam's family but christy swanson this was the year she took off david faustino would be married with children the kid from alf kid from alf yeah. mimi kennedy is still a hard-working actress she's in a lot of things oh, yeah. and richard masur uh, uh mazur or whatever he was in the thing like yes yep mm-hmm. there's i mean everybody's somebody here well and and oz scott you know the filmmaker he's it, done other stuff for disney yeah, he's a he, working hard-working television director he's still working yeah, I read an interview with him after we talked about doing this and from a few years ago where he talked about he's tried to pitch them on doing a third boogity movie or do a new one because people always talk about it or else try to get a DVD with like a, you know, a, a double DVD of boogity mm-hmm. and bright boogity. And they just they just don't do it. Everybody mm-hmm. says, oh, that's too old. It just blows my mind. The idea of leaving any money on the table when you're that company. Yeah, well, and the fact that yeah. we don't get a lot of kids or family horror stuff, so why don't you release something older? You know, yeah. like that's or even if it's not like, like they could do something like like 100 sci-fi movie sets, but they're all like Disney or do TV volu- movies. Yeah, do volumes of some of the more popular TV movies. You could, I mean, if you put a Blu-ray, these are all standard def. You wouldn't have to. I mean, they're yeah. old standard def movies. Yeah. You could stack a bunch of them on a Blu-ray disc and be like, volume one, see if that sells. It doesn't sell, you don't go yeah. to volume two. The end. There's certainly a place and an audience for this, or nostalgia, collectors, keeping it float. There's a, there's just a lot of TV movies lost to just time because no one thought anyone would want to watch them again. I mean, they would rerun this. I'm, I'm sure this got rerun. But... Oh, yeah, definitely did. Oh, yeah. It's been rerun on the Disney Channel. I mentioned it to some of my students because, you know, I have high school students. And they are, I mean, 17, 18, they've seen this rerun on Disney Channel. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. Because that's cheaper than putting out a DVD. 
but you know it does it does strike me as interesting considering Oz Scott's horror bona fides, especially recently. He's directed episodes of Scream and Shadowhunters. He's mm-hmm. directed Gotham lately. I mean, like you said, he's consistently worked the entire time on crazy stuff. <laughs> You know, it's not like this isn't a guy that should have a little bit of pull with them. You know, the movie is just about basically a a family that moves into this haunted house that is haunted by the ghost of pilgrims, pretty much. Yeah. 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 What do you guys think of the dad? Was he just enough already? With the gags, Uh, we get it. Because they own a, it's a family owns a gag shop. They want to remind you, like, it's almost as if, oh, we had a commercial break. People might forget they're into the gags. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Let's see why we have to move to the middle of nowhere with a bunch of farmers and cows and no cute boys. First of all, Jennifer, it's not the middle of nowhere. It's the middle of New England. (laughs) Secondly, not only is this place beautiful, but we will be the only gag city franchise for hundreds of miles. And that's what I was thinking uh, when I was watching this movie that like I would just have like a panic attack living in that house just because everything is just a it's a damn gag. It's like, oh, look, the food's not real. Here's some fake vomit. Like, oh, here's a joy buzzer. I just I, I just start screaming like that's enough. I just want to live. Yes. Me. My, my unfortunate association watching this now years later is I keep thinking of measure in it yeah. when they open the fridge and his head's in the refrigerator. <laughs> And it, it that yeah. kept popping up in my head as like that would have been a gag right in line with the dad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, the ghost decapitated me, kids. The dad is almost. I mean, I think I'm more fearful of the dad than Mr. Boogity. <laughs> like he, yeah. he he had me wanting to run from him more than the, the Boogity himself. They move in this house, which comes complete with a a strobe light in front of it. Well, yeah, like it's they, they, always they come storming. They come up to the house, clearly a haunted house. There's nothing about this house where you go like, eh, you know, it's okay. He, the, the dad calls it a fixer-upper. I don't know why the wife or the kids said, like, up yours. We're not sitting a foot in that house. <laughs> and the, the realty company was Karloff. Oh, Car- yeah. yeah. It's in a town called Lucifer Falls, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's magnificent. I mean, that, you know. Lucifer <laughs> Falls As, as a awesome. writer, you're done for the day when you yeah. come up with that. <laughs> Call it an early day, yeah. Yep. But, there's, but there's just nothing about the situation which, like, yeah, sure, I'll live here. Like, Christy Swanson's character is upset that, oh, uh, there's no, uh, not going to be any boys in town. Like, you might not make it out alive. That should be the number <laughs> one concern. Which Christy Swanson's, she's the one who's all like, eh, about this whole thing. But she's the one who witnesses Mr. Boogity and, like, tries to convince everybody. But nobody believes her because footsteps on the wall peel off. Like, like when that happened, I was like, those are probably going to peel off. The dad's going to be like, look what I did. But apparently Mr. Boogity's actual steps on the wall are like a gag. Yeah. Oddly. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know why he did that. Like, what was the, the point of that? At all? Honey, look! The boogity man walked all over me! Ah, isn't this great? Oh, good one, Dad! I, I don't understand Mr. Boogity's motives, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, this is, I mean, the, the whole movie's super low budget because they never leave the house once they get there, pretty much. And when they leave the house, they, they go to the another months. interior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the, well, yeah, and when they are outside, it's clearly the back lot of Disney, too. As stupid it is, it isn't without style and some sort of professional touch to it. I think us, Scott, 
he's he's got some talent with what he's doing because there's some good spooky looking scenes and i really like the moment where they tell the backstory of the pilgrims through the pop-up book and then they go to like this like Mm -hmm. almost like a high school play set but it kind of fits with the pop-up look to it i thought that was a nice little touch with considering they have no money probably to do this right yeah that's one of the scenes that i remembered most honestly it was they're all like standing in mist basically in, in the pages of the book and the kind of cardboard sets and so forth that I remembered the origin sequence with the pilgrim yeah. outfits. What was that movie yeah. with the pilgrims and the boogity guy? I can't That's right. <laughs> Boogity pilgrim, I think so. Boogity pilgrim. <laughs> 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 yeah. The boogity pilgrims of Lucifer Falls. <laughs> now that's a movie. That's the production right now. The pilgrim part is neat because you actually find out the origins of, of what a silly sentence this is about to be. You find out the origins of Mr. Boogity. <laughs> It probably takes up 10 minutes of the movie, and this thing's only, like, 40 minutes. Right. Yeah. That's true. So it's something that I feel that it should have been longer. It wasn't wasn't rushed. It doesn't feel rushed at all, but it just feels like there's more room in this than they're giving us. If they were allowed to go outside the house more, yes, but any more inside the house? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, the sequel is significantly longer. If you guys, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, that, that's thing. a proper length of a movie. Yeah, yeah it's like an hour yeah. and a half. And they have outside. They think the climax of that takes place at like a festival outside. If I'm not mistaken, again, that's just going completely off of memory. It, it is funny because apparently it was successful and well liked enough to merit the sequel and an mm-hmm. increase in budget. Going back to the do we do people remember it? <laughs> Yeah, which, which when that, there was apparently talk of maybe trying to turn this into a TV series uh, back in the day, but it was just kind of some yeah. talks and nothing more. But uh, the funny thing I found is the origins of this movie was it was supposed to be an airplane style movie, scary movie type movie, where it was a parody of horror movies, mainly Dracula as a Cheech and Chong vehicle. That was what th- this started <laughs> oh out. God. And then that got, is way too much stuff. And it got rejected. It was like Cheech and Chong move into a haunted house is basically what it was. It got rejected. And then Disney, someone at Disney liked it and said, hey, could you you make this into something for, for us, for, for family? And so we it changed it. It was called Cheap Thrills was the Cheech and Chong title. And then it became Mr. Boogity for the Disney Sunday night movie. That's oh, my sure. God. That would have been amazing. So they hey, changed man. the they changed the Dracula character into the Mr. Boogity. They made a family move in instead of Cheech and Chong. Can't you just hear the dialogue though? Like right Hey up. man. Hey man, there's a pilgrim over there. <laughs> <laughs> hey That's, man, uh... there's a, there's this woman outside. I think she wants you. Oh no, she don't. <laughs> oh, Boogity's God. not here, man. <laughs> But I think that would work really well because they'll be high and paranoid. Meanwhile, all this ghost stuff is going on. That would work a lot better than I think some of their other movies would, actually. It is kind of funny because one of the things I think that it does vibe like a little bit. If you Are you guys familiar with Saturday the 14th? Yes. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys yeah. are. What am I saying? Yeah, I mean, doesn't it vibe like that just a little bit? Yeah, a little, it's... yeah. A little bit, like, like the kid version of it, but yeah, there's a flavor of it. I'm not done talking about the house. Oh, I want to. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. What else is there to talk about? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> when they get to this house, there's fog everywhere. It looks like it should be condemned. And then when they get inside, cobwebs everywhere. It's easier to find a cobweb than to find a space where there isn't a cobweb. I just thought, did the dad buy this just sight unseen? He's like, I need a house. 
and somehow John Aston's character came out of the shadows like, I'll sell you a house. Because there's no way anyone in their right mind would buy this damn place. Well, he owns his own business, so it wouldn't be like a workplace. Because some companies will transfer somebody to a different city and they take care of the house and stuff for them. And the person just, they'll pick from afar and then they'll just move into it. But this isn't the case. He's just going to move his business to a yeah. different town. I don't want to get into the semantics of gag city, I guess, but I think that he said that there's not a get another gag city in miles. So he might just be like a franchise owner or something. Mm. I mean, I guess it's not that important, but it's just a, a thing I noticed. But even outside of how gross the house is, like you go into the basement, just full of junk. No one bothered to clean it out. Like, come on, John Aston's character. <laughs> <laughs> trim the trim your comically large facial hair, Mister Witherspoon, and, and help these people out, you you, you jerk. <laughs> but they they come into the house and he's just standing like in their dining room, like, like get is out of my house. With the sale, isn't he like a town historian? Lucifer Falls Historical Society. Yeah, I don't think he sold them the house. He was just there. Like, squatting like everyone yeah he could have been a squatter i would believe it with that facial hair but they they all you know the whole family comes in and they just see the shadowy figure standing there they don't freak out they're just kind of like oh what's going on like no there's an intruder in your home be upset family it's kind of the whole vibe of the movie where everyone is just way too chill with everything the entire time yeah. Well, and there's a the part where the crazy stuff's going on, and the one kid hears something, and he just runs off, and then nobody really goes after him. And then the brother's like, well, I guess I should go check on him in the basement. And then he's wrestling with a child ghost. Yeah. Yep. He, he just hears his brother say, no, stop it, stop it. Ah! <laughs> Me- meanwhile, the rest of the family's upstairs. Like, you don't hear your child screaming. Right. Well, their parents are three. They've learned to tune it out. Right. True. <laughs> True. That's one less mouth to feed. But so speaking, speaking thanks, those, Mr. Boogity. Those children. David Faustino won this part over a young actor named Leaf Phoenix, who would later change his name to Joaquin. Well, they made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> this is a thing that could have very easily had a uh, laugh track. But I think it's kind of hokey enough it's just the right amount of of cheese yeah um, if there were any more you'd just be rolling your eyes like what a piece of crap but it, for whatever reason it, it it does work and i do think it is the delivery of the dad he's just such a dad in this movie what you need jennifer is a good breakfast start the day off right that's right jennifer eat the eggs rubber eggs daddy again Mm-hmm. I told them you'd know right away. Really? Gee, I thought these were different. They look pretty good to me. What do you think? Hey. <laughs> good one. <laughs> like I said, I've complained about his overboard gag thing but that's in the script that's not the actor the actor okay, actually yeah. pulls off stuff quite well but everything is just like all right let's just calm down like anytime there's any kind of clear ghost activity it's like okay let's just chill out everybody one thing that's interesting about it given the time that this was released was that's very much an era of movies that are loaded with both kids being in mm-hmm. the center of a supernatural thing and then the kind of willingness that parents and authority figures have to push off any explanation but the obvious explanation of the supernatural right in front of them. 
And if you think about 86 in particular, I mean, it is out in novel form. You've got Fright Night and all these other things. Elm Street, and all, all the around. kids, it's suicides, yeah. all these teen yep. suicides. Exactly. And that element is present here. And I, it just kind of makes me curious as a cultural force. <laughs> this was definitely a theme. Oh, Toby Hooper's Invaders from Mars. Well, you yeah, know, I, I mean, the thing was with the 80s, the movies were R-rated, but they were marketing them to like 10-year-olds. Like, yes. that's who wanted to well, see yeah. these movies. The, the, the trick the, was, like, sneaking in to see them, getting your convincing your parent to rent it for you. There were RoboCop and Rambo toys. Yes. That was... Yeah. Like, alien toys, yeah. yeah. But, like, my, my, Freddy and all them, they were, you know, the teens went and saw them in droves. It was great. But it was, like, the 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, they're like, oh, I gotta see that. I'm not supposed to see it. And there was a there was that tinge on horror. That horror was so bad and, and all this stuff. And if you were in a horror, you were in, just like, Satan and all that crap. It's not like it is today, where horror's just got this yeah. deep fandom. And so there, even more lore with that. So that's putting the kids there. It, it gives them an identifier in a lot of the horror Yeah, movies. and it, you, you put a, your finger right on a thing, because, I mean, I have clear memories of my dad going to stand with me while i'd buy a ticket to go in with my mm -hmm. friends he's the adult giving permission but he's gonna go do other shit and we <laughs> watch you know my, my, my father three. my father bought me a ticket to species opening weekend see there you go <laughs> exact same thing <laughs> like i well yeah my parents are buying me tickets for those all the time they they're almost pissed that there was got a 17 year limit you know or yeah. you're supposed to get mm -hmm. carded if you're 17 they're almost like oh jeez you know, but, so they're like it's just a movie man you are right and we talked about this with wnuf and other things you know just that idea of there was a vibe in the 80s of horror stuff being even more fringe all the way and through like the, the so 90s man, even something. it wasn't until you got the like, a lot of the the wb network stars you know going into like screens yeah. i know what you did last summer Scream. urban legend yeah. that's when it started turning over and becoming commercial and okay because i mean the friday the 13th elm streets they had tv stars but i mean it wasn't any of like the main it was the the guest players you know i'm you know yeah. he's, he's on he's on uh you know this show and, and he's on facts of life this week and then he guests on you know just the 10 of us another week you know those yeah. people would be the you know your deaths in the friday the 13th movies but these were actually the main people that you saw every week on tv running around and and that made it okay but up till then it was oh you're doing a horror movie or oh you're showing your boobs in a movie oh your career's over yeah. mm -hmm. or you better get out of that real fast which which was weird because conversely i mean late 70s early 80s it was launching a whole lot of careers i mean mm -hmm. kevin bacon and jamie, you know, jamie lee, lee curtis, curtis obviously yeah patricia arquette they kept, you, you came from horror you you know you hope you did you know, one two and then you're out even though like major directors either would give it try their hand at horror or they would come from horror like spielberg with jaws freaking went and did the exorcist after french connection yeah everybody touched it you know tried but uh we mentioned you know nightmare on elm street three dream warriors you know the people involved in that from the filmmaking level i mean it's like darabont was on that chuck russell uh, yeah mm -hmm. El craven obviously yeah Lawrence fishburne mm -hmm. yep Craig, um, uh, Craig Watson, but he was with that. He was a De Palma player. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you already mentioned Patricia Arquette. Yeah, I'm the director. I'm trying to remember what else he went to do. The Blob, um, I know he, and, the Blob uh, thank you, and, and the, the Mask uh, and the, Eraser. The mask. And Eraser, yeah, yeah. Cool. those are all uh, awesome movies. Yeah, he had a good and now run. He's a producer, right? He's a producer now, right? He's I mean, he still does some directing. Um, but yeah, he's yeah. Chuck Russell's pretty good him and him and darabont were a pretty good team because darabont came along with him to do the blob too which that blob movie is awesome yeah oh God, it's so good yeah but we're on mr boogity <laughs> we are on mr boogity he was, well it he was is a, he was a it, pilgrim it, that got a special cloak 
that he sold his soul to the devil for. By the way, uh, this is a this is a kids movie featuring the devil. Satan. He's mm-hmm. literally credited as Satan. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's crazy. That, that there there was a time where it's like, yeah, we can just put Satan in a kids movie. Wow. I don't think you could do that now. I'm sure you couldn't. It's a weird choice, and it, it It'd we... just be demon or ghoul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't well, be. It wouldn't be that the head guy running hell. It would just be some bad guy. You know, Disney for all the whining that fanboys tend to do has always been a lot more subversive than people give them credit for. And mm-hmm. it's just, it, it. I don't think that they necessarily set out to tweak certain things. It's just, it's about storytelling. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. elemental storytelling, just like the consistent through line of Disney animated protagonists being orphans. It's an emotional button to push. And when Disney goes to the evil button, be it the Bald Mountain segment of Fantasia or when they choose to do cool horror films like, you know, Something Wicked This Way Comes or Watcher in the Woods, they push the button hard because they hit that in the same way. they, They understand elemental appeal uh, particularly to kids, as you guys mentioned, really well. Well, they, I and, mean, there's a lot of it's like stupid stuff with like they, they people. Oh, Disney, they're safe films; they don't take chances. I'm like, eh, bullshit. Uh, yeah, they're just on top, and you want to always aim the target right up top. So that's mm, yeah, what happens a lot of times. It, it's funny because coming from the comics side of things, you know, I see that a lot with film. Everybody watches movies, but not necessarily everybody who watches movies wants to be in or make movies in comics. So much of the audience wants to make comics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so any choice that is not theirs, there's a segment of like about probably 15% of fandom, any choice that isn't a choice that they would make, they scream to the heavens. about. (laughs) Well, that's my thing. I I had to learn, you know, you have to learn when you're, it's like, you know, you have your own ideas with things, but let's, let's not worry about where you think it should go. Let's let's. What did you enjoy? What you did get, or do you understand yeah. why they went yeah. somewhere, or was the choice a, a good one? Like, put your own things aside because you you can always do something better yourself. But you know, right? And and contextually, that's what makes a thing like Mister Boogity really cool in the context of the Disney Sunday Movie being an anthology series, because you could have this, you could have a superhero show, you could have a goofy comedy about two kids pretending to be exchange students because they're nerds and they want to be popular. Mm. That was the kind of stuff that was going week after week after week on this show. It was it was literally never the same thing. There's there a lot of concept genres. farming. You know, the intro for the Sunday Night Movie showed just all... There was, like, some kid, like, jump-kicking two dudes in, like, a kung oh, yeah. fu scene. Yeah. There was, like, space travel. There was all sorts of different genres yeah, There was the have. dancing mummy from this... From from this, this movie, movie and yeah, and, and it was the all. Play, over the place. funny thing is, this movie would be like, oh, this probably aired on Halloween. No, April thirtieth, nineteen eighty six. Valpurgis snacked. It's when it premiered. I didn't know that. It literally it was on Valpurgis snacked. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, somebody at Disney did that on purpose. We can only hope. The YouTube one we had also had commercials. That I, I, I particularly enjoyed. Like oh, yeah. the, the season premiere of Perfect Strangers with the series premiere of Head of the Class. USA Today says Perfect Strangers provides honest laughter. It's funny. What are those? 
This is my Spider-Man pajamas. The season premiere of Perfect Strangers, followed by the perfect new comedy. 30 August 1980. Ozzy Osbourne eats his first rat on stage. These kids have got the answers. I'm smart and funny looking. It's a deadly combination. Howard Hessman's at the head of the class right after the season premiere of Perfect Strangers, Wednesday night. Back. I was super pumped when I saw that. Like, I think that was like after a high C commercial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's high C uh, commercial, and there was like two makeup commercials. I'm like, yeah, during Mister Boogity. Like, yeah, I was like, like I mean, I guess that makes. Well, no, it doesn't make sense. It's a kids' movie. Kids don't want to wear makeup. Well, if mom's watching it with the kids, she needs to get them high C at the grocery and then get herself some makeup. You know, I, I guess now that we, we we talk about it, the commercials and promos at the beginning of the special really are geared more towards kids. And then later it, it was more adult stuff. It there was, was the, uh, the captain EO premiering at the yeah. theme park. Yes. That was, that was awesome. I know. I, I couldn't believe that. Like, oh, are they going to have a special on it? Like, no, they're just promoting that. R- I was like, oh, did they, did they show the video on TV? I don't remember that. Nope. And it was crazy that like they're promoting it. Like it's involvement with George Lucas and Francis Ford uh, Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. yeah. And Michael Jackson. Like, holy crap. I mean, I knew all that stuff to begin with, but I just can't imagine like just promoting that on TV. And it's like, just hearing that, like what? There's all this crit and it's in space. What is this? I have to see it. If you're a child, it's the only thing you're going to like at Epcot. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that was considerably huge deal. Yeah, it you know, be, that, yeah. at that time. I mean, it's easy to not think about that, but this is three years after Jedi and Willow is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the only like Lucas thing you were seeing because, uh, you know, after Howard the Duck. Was, yeah. Well, well, this um, was the year before Howard the Duck, I think. That's nuts. And then Michael Jackson, I mean, he worked with Landis on Thriller, you know, Coppola yeah. here, and then he'd work with Scorsese on Bad. Dang. Which I think it was yeah. just after this. So it, mm-hmm. th- those commercials, I mean, they, they make we the, talked about the this watching WFUF. The, they, yeah, they make this watching this like more enjoyable even with those commercials. Mm-hmm. The after when school went... special with the kid who commits suicide. <laughs> make sure you watch this with your kids. Like, oh. Well, yeah, the, the after school special that starred like the oldest brother from Mr. Belvedere. And I think Malcolm Jamal Warner, I think, was the other kid. I think. Can we talk about Mr. Uh, going back to his, his origins, his plan? Because. Oh, yeah, it's pretty vicious. It, it's yep. like Mr. Boogity, he's a God, what a stupid thing to say. He, he He's a bad person, and he's just a jerk to everyone in town. But there's one person that doesn't even like him. They're just not mean to him. So he decides, I love this person, and I want to marry them. So his plan, <laughs> after he sells his soul to Satan to get this magic cloak, is to kidnap her sick son... Mm-hmm. And hold the son hostage until Marion uh, agrees. That's the uh, mother's name. Agrees to marry him. Like how? How did he think that was gonna work? Did he expect like what? Some kind of? I I I can't even. I can't. I can't put the words together. <laughs> it doesn't make any damn sense. He's a real dick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it is very strange. I mean, first he he makes the deal with the devil. To get the magic cloak, and then he kidnaps the son. And like you say, he's just a horrible person. This is yeah. hard. Well, and, and then somehow he blows up his house. We don't know how. It just blows up. And normally it's like, good, Mister Boogie, he's dead. Yeah. But because he blew up his house, he you know he died. The sick 
kid died and the mother also died and now they're all ghost and mr boogity and the kid are just bound to this area and the mother can never go in so it's they all became ghosts 300 years ago so this kid is sick for 300 years and the mom can never see her son because mr boogity is a dickhead yeah (laughs) that should be the third one mr boogity is a dickhead (laughs) <laughs> that's fantastic you, you know disney was really into the child ghost thing weirdly enough they had another film that was a late 70s wonderful world disney movie called child of glass it was based on a novel i can't remember the name of the novel it was a different name but it was about a a little girl ghost and mm-hmm. then i mentioned watcher in the woods and so forth i mean the, disney went to that well a lot as a plot point. And again, maybe it's that set identification along with the orphan thing. You know, if it's a little kid ghosts, kids will be even more entranced, not safe as Brandon was saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> how about, how about the, the end of this where, you know, we, we've talked about the dad doing dad stuff and, you know, Mr. Boogity has been defeated. They take the cloak off and everyone's happy. The, the, the child and the mom are united. Hooray. And then the dad says like, Oh, you know, there's no such thing as ghost. And I thought, man, you just saw three of them. You solved the problem for two of these ghosts. You helped them yourself. You were under the, the scully. <laughs> <laughs> How much more evidence do you need? A vampire just blew up in our car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I, I just, if, if I was any of the kids, I would immediately just like whip a rock at my dad's head. You're a, you're a ghost denier. <laughs> you're making society worse it's a very weird kind of note to end on it's very discordant yeah just ended with like you know they walk out of the room you just hear mr boogity's laugh like that would have been fine you know it's a yeah. it's a spooky movie that's that's fine but just to have the the dad say oh there's no such thing as ghosts like well, did you not experience the last two days well and then he's got that long awful stare look that takes forever to fade out <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh man, that poor bastard. That looks like, like a fade out we would make with a camcorder at the end of a high school production or something. Just sitting there holding, waiting for the fade. <laughs> waiting for the fade. Wait, yeah, we get it. You're surprised. Oh, it's starting to fade. <laughs> it's over. But in great, he just would have sneezed in the middle of it and then just gone right back to that look. <laughs> That's commitment. <laughs> Now comes a point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are called Cinema Cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means you don't want to move into the haunted house. You're perfectly fine just finding somewhere else converted which means you are into pilgrimism minimism or whatever sail on that mayflower and drink of the kool-aid which means you are boogity 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 loving mr boogity so troy how do you rate mr boogity i don't know i think that i'm gonna go with converted it's it's weird it's it's a hard one to go with but here's my thing it's got strong images i remember from being a kid watching it i don't know precisely how it translates. I think that you like you kind of as an adult you get stuck on more of the goofy stuff. What I'd be kind of interested is to see how my own kids reacted to it because they haven't watched it and maybe that would be a barometer. 
for me to go a little further with it, if that makes sense. But the, the more that culturally, even our horror stuff that's aimed at younger audience is a little more intense, a little more serious. And I think that there isn't a lot of stuff with the kind of goofy tone that we've got in this. I don't know. Maybe that makes a little more timeless. I'm conflicted. Can't you tell? Colin. I think this is a fun movie and it's great. This is one of the few things that we've done on the show where as I was watching, I thought like either of you guys could like watch it with your kids and yeah. be just fine. And that's, I think that's nice. It's not, it's not like overly hokey. I mean, there's certainly some stuff in there that is, it goes away almost immediately and, and you're fine. I think it, it's a shame that it wasn't longer. I think it would have been a lot better if it was like a full length TV movie. I, I enjoyed watching it and I don't think it was just for nostalgia factor. I, I do wish that Mr. Boogity, <laughs> that name makes me giggle. If, <laughs> if, if he would have shown up earlier in the movie instead of like the last eight minutes, because really the first time that you see him period. And that's, that's too bad because it's, that's kind of a neat design. He looks like someone like, blew their nose and then put a cloak on them which is kind of neat but i uh <laughs> i'm converted on this I, I i think it's worth uh it's worth a watch what do you think brandon about mr boogity i'm gonna go with the notion that i want to show it to my kids uh usually every year at halloween i take them trick-or-treating and then we get home we watch like a scary movie and this is good because it's like 45 minutes and then they can go to bed yep or they watch hmm, yeah. feature link or so but, you think yes <laughs> Uh, that, that's one thing that I think helps this one out a lot is that it's very short. And it's since it's very secluded to one place and not a very interesting one place, as haunted as it is, they stick to the living room with the fireplace a lot. But it, it's it's okay. I, I guess I'm going to go on the light side of converted. It is goofy. It is fun. But I don't know how much of it was nostalgia on it for me. There was stuff I, I appreciated in the direction it's enjoyable i'm surprised disney hasn't tapped in and like done like a disney channel movie remake follow-up lego sequel or something on mr boogity it, it seems to have some sort of following but you could also take this and be like hey we already have we don't have to buy any new rights pay any new writers or any, really anything they could lazily remake this and hook younger kids today on it and have themselves an original movie that a lot of kids might even know is a remake. I don't understand. I, I'm surprised they've not gone back to this. They made a sequel before, mm-hmm. so you think mm-hmm. it's you know some known property and make it a Disney Channel movie. See what happens. Who knows? It's weird with a lot of the original stuff that they do now. They seem to really want multi-platform stuff, like a lot of musicals, yeah. and they can mm-hmm. move music and products. And with Boogity, I'm not sure how it fits into the scheme of things. Although Oz Scott did direct the Cheetah Girls. So, right, yeah, that's true. Uh, he's definitely got an idea of how to make something like that work. Maybe they could, um, they could they could incorporate Mr. Boogie into the Descendants three. Maybe that's what they could do. <laughs> <laughs> I see your boogieing around my boo. <laughs> oh my god, the Descendants thing is interesting. That's for sure. I, I would mean, I, I would love that of the direction that they've gone in. I mean, it seems like most of the Disney original movies do have the musical tie-in anymore, right? Right, yeah, I mean, right. I'm not... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. I mean, dancing, music, it's because, they, you know, they could sell an album, they could they could take do, a, like, a live tour show on it if they wanted. That's, there's, like, a lot of, like, expansion options that come with that. With the yeah. music, you sell albums, you can sell DVDs, you can sell Blu-ray streaming, you could 
you know, uh, Descendants Live, Descendants mm-hmm. on Ice. It, it like lends itself yep. to that, and now and you also have different Disney songs to throw on to like mixtapes, and you create new stars that can sing, act, and dance. All at the same so time. Are, are you telling me that they couldn't make a song from this called "Do the Boogity"? I mean, come on. Oh, the the, yeah. the the Pilgrim Shuffle. Time to boogity. Some of the current Disney kids doing a cover of Casey and the Sunshine Band. I'm your boogity man. There you go. There you go. Bang. <laughs> Done. There you go. Yeah. Let's put a proposal together. Let's get a hold of Disney. <laughs> boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> Just a reminder, next week, we'll be back again, Cullen, with our, we're fresh out of Halloween and entering the Malibu Express with our Andy Sedaris month. Probably shouldn't watch that with your kids. Right, yeah. Seriously, we're, we're, you guys we are, didn't are... call me for that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm angry. Uh... <laughs> that was some horseshit trip to Palm Springs. See, there you go. How many other guys are going to be able to quit Malibu Express? No. Oh. So... Just kidding. Uh, thank you for coming mm. on, Troy, again for Halloween. Where can people find to everything you got going on? The, the usual social media stuff, but I would encourage you to check out Eminent Press and or you know Eminent.press is one of the web directions for that and uh, SparkShooter.com. Those are both good places to find stuff that I'm working on. And I want to also thank all our October guests we had with Brian Collins, James Oster, uh, Ben Scrivens, and of course Todd Farmer and Troy here today. So it was a huge month for us. We had five damn episodes in a month, which that's crazy. So, uh, but thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And maybe we'll try to up the ante next year for October and make it even bigger. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Hail yes. Satan. Hail Satan. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy your trick-or-treating, and we'll see you Monday. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. What's better than a sandwich made with thick, luscious Hellman's real mayonnaise? Two sandwiches. Bring out the Hellman's and bring out...